What is up, Rip Nation? Gotti Jr. here. April 6, 2018, 12.20 p.m. And it's currently 45 degrees here in beautiful, beautiful Pennsylvania. I'm up here freezing my ass off all winter, catching colds like I have right now, while Jason's in Florida watering his lawn. It's not fair. Anyway, what I have for you here is an interview that we did with uh, Robert Black, OCRC's Robert Black, a while ago. Uh, for whatever reason, the it will not play anymore. Andrew Morn, longtime listener of the show, big fan of the Ripcast, huge fan. He tells me he's he tells me he's he's he just can't get enough of the Ripcast. He just can't get enough of it. When we're away, he's he's a wreck. And it's understandable. We're awesome. But uh, Andrew contacted me and said, Yo Gotti, this isn't playing, bro. Yo Gotti. It's not playing. I can't play Robert Black interview. What is going on? I said, Andrew, you're, you obviously don't know how to use an app. I'm going to check it out for myself. I went to check it out. While I was rolling my eyes and stuff. You know, like, oh, Andrew, jeez. Don't know how to use an app. Doesn't work. I said, what? I go to Podbean quick to check it out. It's there, but it don't work. Sit there and hit play. Nothing. So I said, Andrew, don't, don't, don't worry. Don't lose any sleep. Don't take that car and throw it off a cliff. I will re-upload this episode for you. A few months later, here I am. I'm doing it. See, Andrew, I came through for you. You thought that I wouldn't do it. That I would let you down like I usually do. I, I let people down. But I said, I can't let Andrew down. I got to do this. I can't let Andrew down. I can't let the other listeners down that want to listen to the interview with Robert Black. So I came through for you today. I found the file. I had trouble finding. I had trouble finding the file for whatever reason. Couldn't find it. I found it. Did some searching through the laptop here. Went through all the garbage I have on my laptop and found it. I said I'm going to put this up today for Andrew. So it's a early Christmas gift for you, Andrew, and other listeners. If you didn't get a chance to listen to this interview, now you, now you have it. So how cool is that? And uh, it was a great interview with Robert. It was over an hour long. Um, we did have some connection issues in the beginning, so you're not going to hear the whole, hey, hey, Robert, how you doing? Hello, hi, hi, hi. None of that. It's uh, When this starts, it's just going to him. Uh, Robert's already talking about his track and so forth. So um, I edited it up a little bit, and there you go. So I um, hope you enjoy I hope this plays for you guys. Uh, Jason will be back next week from the Psycho Nitro Blast. So best of luck to the whole team, um, the the team Rona, the J Concepts race team at the Psycho Nitro Blast. Hopefully they kick some ass out there, have a lot of fun, go go nuts, go psycho in the process. I wonder if there's a lot of chicks there because it's called Psycho Nitro Blast. Psycho. Anyway. Enjoy the interview, guys, and we will catch you next week. See you, fans.
just wasn't getting enough enough turnout to justify the you know additional expense, and so I knocked down the wall, and then I added uh, like 58 feet. It's about 140 feet long now, so to the track by 60. I didn't widen it in, but I just made it longer. And uh, you know, guys really dug it. You know, at the time it was the biggest indoor track you know in California, and now you know. Every time somebody opens a track, they've got to make it a foot bigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. uh, that's progress. I mean, I can appreciate that. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. So, but yeah, it's a uh, 60 by, uh, you know, usable space, 60 by 135. Mm-hmm. Let's expand and a little bit. When you, uh, <clears throat> you got the, now they're over there on the side, do you still have the little, the little small, uh, the little small kind of like the tri-meat track or the little dirt track? Yeah, we, we did that for, uh, we, we we do a lot of rentals. You know, we got a lot of kids and a lot of people just off the street and dads over and um, we want to get them interested in the hobby. So we put that little track together. Instead of making the track, you know, 180 feet long, uh, which I think is a little excessive for 10 scale, um, we did that and we do, you know, we, we rent, probably 20 rentals a day and uh, the kids love it and it kind of keeps them keeps the new beginner first timers off the big track um, and uh, they just get out there and have a great time so you know do it for the kids and hopefully you know some of them come back and some just use it to play you know like the Chuck E. Cheese they're there every couple months mm-hmm. so yeah that little track is uh I want to say that one's like 60 by 30. It's fairly small, but it's it's fun enough for the little kids. Yeah, it gives them a good, like, a whet their appetite a little bit for what the thing is like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you, um, you know, when you kind of look at how long did it take, because um, initially you didn't really have the hobby shop up front, at what point did you decide you needed to get more involved in the hobby shop part of that business? Yeah, originally I leased it to a hobby store company. And um, I'm always, I'm very concerned about, you know, customers, customer service and having the, you know, I think a hobby store is a necessity um, for any track. Uh, you know, if you have a, you know, just this incredible track and no parts support, you're not going to get a lot of people there because they're going to, you know, they want to make sure they're going to be able to, you know, play all night. Anyways, at this hobby store, they just couldn't keep up with the demand. Uh, they seemed to be back-ordered all the time, and I just, after a year, I just um, bought all their, whatever they had, and then just added to it. Uh, and I did that simply, you know, the store, the people that owned that store were awesome people. They just couldn't keep up with, they weren't really into the race scene. They had their own store elsewhere that did helicopters and stuff like that. So we didn't really know a lot about the track. And so I, I just decided we needed something and someone in there that, you know, could take care of the customers a little better. And that, that also worked out, you know, Jake, uh, with hiring Jake a couple of years ago, you know, Jake Thayer, the, the yeah. guy knows his stuff. He can build anything blindfolded. He knows about all the parts and all the companies and, and he's just an all around good guy and people love him. So that was, mm-hmm. you know, 
that was a, a bonus, you know, when his when his he was available to work and uh he chose to come work for us. Yeah, it was nice. He was previously out in Arizona. He had track experience out there at SRS and then he kinda came in there and um I mean I noticed right away, you know, the guys opened up the shop and, you know, uh, recently and um, he got pretty much everything in there now. Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, we were waiting for a whole new shipment of the brand new J Concept stuff today, but it didn't come. <laughs> we oh, saw the UPS no. truck and we thought, all right, here it is. But uh, <laughs> maybe tomorrow. <laughs> that, U- that UPS truck always lets, lets you down, right? Yeah, he just dropped off a Kyosho box. We were really hoping for the new C4 stuff from you, but uh, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> maybe tomorrow. Yeah, well, good. I mean, there's no question your your man Jake there. He's been all over us about getting it. So, um, yeah, he's been on top of it. You'll yeah, you're definitely gonna be one of the first ones. So that's cool. Yeah. So, but um, that's you know, I think I think that's totally that's really important. You know, there's a lot of tracks that um, even some of the new ones that have popped up in you know local Southern California that just don't have you know don't have part support and stuff. And and I think to succeed, you have to have that. Mm-hmm. Very important. It's also good to have relationships with people like you, you know, the manufacturers of these products that, you know, you can shoot us an email, tell us what's coming, you know, the new hot stuff, because everybody likes the new hot stuff, and, you know, give us time to get it in, and, you know, it works out really well. You know, um, how much are you, do you personally race there at the track and practice, and do you still kind of enjoy, um, enjoy doing it? No, honestly, uh, you know, first, uh, Probably the first four years, I raced three nights a week there, um, and I, you know, and I enjoyed it. And now it's definitely a job. Um, I might race one night a week now, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's just for me. It's just more. I, you know, it's it's more important. One sec. Yeah, he's done. But I got to take my horse out of the round pen for somebody waiting. <laughs> um, for me, it's more important that my customers are, you know, the track and style. Somebody's there taking care of it and making sure that the surface is the way it needs to be. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's a job that, I'll tell you, Jason, it's a job that I love. It takes a, a lot of time and a lot of effort. But, um, you know, just, uh, you know, it's just it's just good. It, you know, I get a lot of compliments. And, you know, when we first opened, there's a lot of people that, you know, had all their opinions. And there's a lot of complaining in this industry and stuff. And you know, I get a lot less of that now. So I think... You know, I think we're doing things, I think we're doing things right, you know, so, but I only race, you know, like I said, one night a week. Mm. So, is, um, you know, you, like you said, you opened a track, there wasn't very many, now there's a lot of tracks, you, you know, you recently had, you know, I don't know if it was your biggest competitor, but, you know, West Coast, who was. I don't know, it was 11 or 12 miles away. Um, you know, mm-hmm. they just, they decided to close it. Um, you know, what did you think about the two tracks being so close? And uh, I know you've, you know, been to both tracks. And what did you see kind of the difference between the tracks and, and you know, maybe the people or the racers that liked one or the other? Uh, you know, Danny and I at West Coast, we didn't have... You know, we didn't have a lot of crossover racers. I mean, you know, let's say he had a hundred guys, local guys. 
we might get five to ten of them, you know, once a week and vice versa. Yeah. So we didn't share a lot of people. It was, uh, it was strange. You know, I, I, you know, I thought when he opened, I'd lose a lot of business. I didn't really, um, he, he gathered a lot of folks from the LA area and Inland Empire. Yeah. And we got more people from down south and Orange County. And so, you know, I don't know, as far as being close, I think it's definitely too close. Um, especially yeah. when you race on the, he raced on the same nights we did as well, mm-hmm. which, you know, but, you know, I don't know. I, you know, sad to see him go. You know, I like this track. I raced there a couple times. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have any, any ill will. Now I wish Danny well. And it's too bad to see a track go because I think right after he went, Redland Garcia went away too. So we lost two tracks mm-hmm. in like three weeks. Yeah. So I think back right before I started racing, you guys had a ton of tracks up here and they all kind of disappeared as well. Mm-hmm. So I just don't want to, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a statistic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to be the, I want to be the one that makes it. But as far as closeness, I think, uh, I think 50 miles is probably a good, probably a good distance between tracks, you know, for local guys. Yeah. So, 10, 10 to a little, 10 pushing it. You know, um, there's a lot of people, I think, that, you know, that listen to this show and that they email Gotti and stuff, and I've seen where, you know, they have tracks, and, you know, they're always asking, I'm sure people ask you this too, but, you know, what's the, uh, um, what's the magic there to keep your track going? And what, like, based off your experience, what have you kind of noticed that's, um, been kind of instrumental, you know, to keeping it going? Um, well, as I'm sure you know, you know, I've raced tracks, you know, not, not as many as you, but I've raced tracks across the United States. You know, and met a lot of a lot of cool guys. But the whole RC industry, you know, I, I would like to see it more like, you know, AYSO or a baseball or something like that with that many people doing it, but there's not. And it's more of a click. And tracks, including SoCal, when I used to go there, you know, um, certain tables belong to certain people and certain level of, you know, skill level and so forth. And it, and it was kind of a click and it was really difficult to break into that click when I first started going to SoCal. Yeah. When I opened my track, when I opened my track, you know, I got no walls where my pits are. Everybody sits together, you know, Mm -hmm. um, try to make sure, especially with my, most of my locals that, you know, they're in different locations at different times and we don't, we don't get a click. And if we get new people there that my local people know, you know, the guy goes backwards on the straightaway. You do not yell at him. And if I yeah. see one of my guys getting out of hand, I get on him. You know, mm-hmm. I'm there a lot. And I think yeah. that's really important. I mean, I, I really think that's important because you can, some guy might be super stoked on this whole thing and then somebody gets pissed off at him and it's over. And I think that happens yeah. so much. I have seen it at different tracks. You know, you got mm-hmm. two or three local guys at a track that are just not cool people. You yeah. Know? They, they, they like, I don't know. It's, you know what I'm talking about. 
and and I, yeah, I think they're not see, they're not they're not seeing the big picture. They're seeing it from their side of things, where the guy's in the way and causing them problems. But you know, the big picture is it is another guy that's going to fill up the building, keep our racing going. Um, exactly. You know, and um, yeah, if you can get if you can keep the people in the big picture mind frame, because uh, when I got an RC, people, you know, there were people that helped me the first day I went to the track. And I think that was part of why I stuck with it. Um, right. Cause I had a great experience. Like you said, if I had a poor experience that day, I probably would have been gone. No. And, and unfortunately it's happened at my place. I'm not exempt from it. You know, I've mm-hmm. had people come the first time and, say they've had the greatest time in the world and they're coming back and they bring their kids and that kind of stuff. And then I've had people that go, you know, I don't know what it is, but that guy was yelling at me. I'm not happy. You know, I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. And then I think the difference is, though, then I, you know, I, I, I try to find out, you know, I do a little exit exam on these folks. You know, who was it? What do they say? What's the circumstance? I'm really sorry. Here's a free race card. And then I go talk to my local people. And my local yeah. guys are really cool. And sometimes they blow their top and then they'll even apologize, you know, and hug it out or something when somebody's pissed. But I try to interview yeah. So, you know, that's, I think that's one of the secrets are, you know, are staying alive at this point is, uh, you know, we're just trying to be, we're trying to be user friendly mm-hmm. rather than, rather than a, you know, a club, even the word club racing to me, it sounds a little close-minded, you know, but whatever, that yeah. is what it is. But but I try to keep it, I try to keep a very open mind, and I'm always very, very aware of who is new in the building. So, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, so that's kind of it, just trying to train it, train the people in a different way you know, to see things a little bit differently. Yeah, you know, it's, um, you know, what I've been amazed at, you know, racing lots of times is, um, you know how, um, you, you know it's tough because when you have the locals all the time, you have your regulars. They know how it works. They know how the races come up, how quick it happens, turn marshaling, all the little things that everybody knows of later down the road. But I've always find it found it's kind of hard to when I've been to these club races and stuff where you see new people, and I'm thinking to myself, and do they even know how this works? Like. You know, they ha- they don't get a great explanation every time there's a, a night of racing, and sometimes I wonder, like, like are they going to know what to do? You know, like no, for sure. Think about it. I mean, if you went for the first time and went to a, a racetrack at F1, and uh, that'll go is here, Jason Rona. Here's my car keys. There's yeah. the track. There's the track. <laughs> go. Yeah, be like, that'd be disastrous. What the hell do I do? Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> you got all the perfect conditions, and you have no idea. And that's you're right. And when new people come in and they sign up, hey, first time racing here, we know, you know, who, you know, everybody in my store, including myself, knows if a guy's raced at our place before. We've seen him before, whatever. And we also know the new folks are always intimidated, and they've got that little bit in their voice. Oh, you know, I've never done this. Uh, and we're like, okay, here's how it's going to work. And then we explain it to them when they're signing up. You know, we're going to give you a transponder. You're going to go on this piece of paper here and just look for what your race is. You know, right after you race, you go out to the track and you flip cars for the second race and you can come back. And we try to do as much as we can to, you know, 
talk them off a cliff because it is very intimidating. Um, it is. I was talking about that the other day. We have a, a trampoline place that just opened up next door to us now, right? And okay. Sky high bounce, bounce places. And yep. so we've been getting an incredible amount of foot traffic because everybody sees OCRC Raceway, the sign, so they come in and they walk in and they see all these guys in the pit tables with, you know, $500 in tools, shocks, ripped apart, you know, diffs and balls and everything else just sitting out there and they look at it and it's, it's, I can only imagine. I mean, I, you and I live it. We don't think anything of it. But again, walk into the pit room of a, you know, F1 garage where it's torn apart. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're a mechanic. You know, it's pretty intimidating. You know, put this back together. And so, you know, I I like these new people that walk in. I like to walk in with them from the shop, take them out to the track, stand by the wall, watch the cars, explain an eight scale from a ten scale and a short course, and you know, four wheel, two wheel. Explain all that stuff to them and give them price points to get into it and that kind of stuff. And you know, rather than let them walk in and just get scared. Yeah. No. It is toy cars, but it's also intimidating. Some of these guys, they got some pits that are set up pretty, pretty gnarly, you know? So. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, uh, it's like, I remember when I was in fifth grade when I was a kid and then I had to go to sixth grade. And then before you go to sixth grade, which is junior high, it's like, well, you're going to do like a, uh, like a shadowing day where you follow somebody, you know, that knows how to change classes and, you know, do all the the little things that are different from elementary school. And it was like, you know, that really kind of helped, you know. Um, right. Somebody kind of showed you the ropes for like a, you know, for six hours or whatever. And you're like, all right, well, now I got it. Yeah, yeah hey, uh, when I was in school, our high school took a trip to the vocational school down here. Okay. You know, because tr- we had an option of going, you know, to, to Votech. So... Uh, I forget what grade this was. I guess I guess eighth grade. And we're walking around down there at the the school, and this kid walks up to me. He says, "Dude, when you come here, I'm gonna kick your ass." Perfect, perfect. And I was like, "Whoa, I'm out of here." I never went to Votech then. I stayed at the high school. <laughs> you know that's yep. funny, but but I think these people that have never seen this that walk in probably think that. Like, yep. I am not worthy. These guys are going to kick my ass. You know, mm-hmm. I got guys that practice four or five days a week. I get some, you know, retired guys, super nice dudes that come almost every day and play with their cars, and they want to race, but they're not ready. You know, they're so scared because they've watched racing, and they're just so, I mean, it's got to be super intimidating. Again, I think you yeah. and I have lost touch of that. Because of oh, yeah. you know we've raced plenty of times and we've been to different tracks and it's kind of what we live. Mm-hmm. But a lot of these people don't live that in that same place. So yeah. you got to you, you have to be sensitive to that. And I I, I do believe that <clears throat> I do believe that there's a lot of track owners and track locals that need to understand that as well and need to treat their mm-hmm. business if they want to stay in business uh, like like an ever-evolving, you know, schoolroom, you know, mm-hmm. always always be there to help and, and be there to teach type of stuff, <clears throat> you know? Yeah. I was at Scotty's yeah. track at Trackside, man. Those guys over there were like, those guys were awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah. Those, you know, they took care of everybody. So, I mean, 
that's what needs to happen. And I think Trackside's been around a long time too, you know? Yeah, so we have. get all the yeah. Wisconsin boys. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's important. <clears throat> um, kind of going into the, um, you know, when you, like after you got started and, you know, maybe more along when um, West Coast opened, uh, you know, short course was like kind of coming onto the scene and getting really big. Um, what do you think of that class in general? Like what kind of effect did it have for you guys and kind of where do you see it like right now? Well, personally, uh, I don't like it. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I just don't like short course. Um, I just don't. I, when I first opened, uh, I believe about two months after I opened, the Slash came out. Okay. The Slash was released. And, you know, boom, the floodgates opened. Now, i gotta, I got to admit, I mean, the Slash kept our doors open. We had, we had just, a, we had a lot of short course vehicles originally. And right. um, so, that, you know, that was good. And then the evolution of the SC-10 and the SCB and, you know, everything that's you know, coming out of the short course deal. But um, I don't like it. I just don't like the driving style. You, you know, I'm not, I'm not you. I haven't been racing for as many years as you, but I, right. I prefer to put the wheel a little more gentleman, you know, sometimes crap happens. But still, mm-hmm. typically when you're in a two-wheel race, you know who's paint schemes are who's, and you get respect for this and that, and, you know, you do your thing. Short course is more closed wheel, go into a corner, and send it. Um, yeah. It doesn't really matter who's racing. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll be honest with you, the decline of short course um, in the past six months alone is very visible, at least at my track. Mm-hmm. You know? We used to have a you know a, a, a full heat of the stock short course, the full heat of mod short course, the full heat of you know four wheel drive short course. Now we'll have three heats of stock buggy, two heats of mod buggy, you know a heat or two of truck, you know all ten scale. And then if we're lucky, you know we mix some stock short, couple stock short courses, a couple of mod, and one or two four wheel short courses. I think the only the only time those things ever come out anymore that we see is you know at a large event. Yeah, you know, because it's a class offered, but it's really, really declining here, and I don't know if that's a fad or what's going on. But in my neck of the woods, all the people that I've seen that started with short course, which is a great vehicle to start racing in, um, have gone to buggy and truck. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So I'm not sure how it's on the East Coast, but over here it's definitely on the decline, and 10 scale is on the upswing. You know, 10 we were scale. We're talking about this earlier there. in the show. Right, Jason? Yeah. What's yeah, that? I mean, that's, yeah, we were You're talking about that popularity. Too? Yeah, at, at our races here in Florida, it's pretty much the same thing. I think people still want to race short course, but they're definitely putting it on the back burner uh, in favor of running the buggies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, on our, super, on our Super Cup series, which is our kind of like our little state series, mm-hmm. um, we have... Two wheel, we have a stock buggy class, a mod buggy class, and an over 40 uh, buggy class. Um, uh-huh. And there's guys that will race all three buggy classes. <laughs> they just, you know, they, they just want to race buggy. That, that's what they want to race. And if there's three classes of it, they race it. And, right. uh, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, but you can see, yeah, for sure that 
the people, um, you know, wanting to, you know, they've, they've moved on to that class right now as the hot class. Yeah. Well, short course was very valuable for what it was. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, five years ago, it definitely, definitely took, you know, 10 scale buggy and truck off the ventilator a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, gave it a little room to breathe. And now I think that, you know, old open wheel, old school open wheels back, you know, up on its feet again. You know, I think just there's there's not a, a big there's not a big demand for it or a big push for it anymore. And a mm-hmm. lot of guys are kind of evolving back into, you know, where it started. And uh personally, honestly, you know, I know you do a lot of short course stuff, Jason, but personally I'm I'm happy to, you know, see some old school pure racing again, um, with the smaller yeah. cars. Um, yeah. So, you know, anyways, eight scales also, eight scale electric on our neck of the woods is kind of slowing down as well. So, mm-hmm. and even that, even my eight scale guys have gone to 10 scale buggies. What do you, what do you see, um, with that? Do you think they just, um, you know, why did they get out of eight scale electric? You think? You know, like anything else, I mean, I can only speak for my track, but when yeah. you have, when you race three nights a week, you know, when, when your local track, you know, you have the opportunity to race three nights a week, and two of those nights don't have enough guys to run eight scale, mm-hmm. you just get rid of it. You just get rid of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? When there's always buggy, and there's always some, some like, 10 scale truck, there's always mod, there's always stock, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. you're going to want, you want to race, but you don't want to show up and not have a class. So guys yeah. just slowly migrate to what's going to, what they can do, what they guarantee to do. And I think that's the same thing with eight scale. It's just, you know, they all, they keep them. Maybe they'll run them at a, at a series race or a big race, but they mm-hmm. want a club race. They want to, they want to know they're going to guarantee that they're going to race tonight. Well, they, yeah, it's the, yeah, there's there's something to be said. There's something to be said for a ten scale buggy in terms of, you know, the simplicity, um, the expense to run it. Um, mm-hmm. it. It stays in your vehicle during the day while you're at work or whatever. You pull it out and clean up the tires, and you're ready to race. I guess. Right, right, and um, the other car, you know, four wheel. You know, the B forty four point two where. Durango or whatever, it's a 10-scale four-wheel. That's not big either. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of maintenance. There's a lot of maintenance in that, you know? Yeah. Um, and guys just, you don't have it that often. So guys, I have a lot of my locals, Jason, all have four-wheel bad buggies. They, right. just, they only race them at a series. Club level, we don't have them, you know, nobody signs up, so nobody, right, nobody runs them. But so, yeah, nobody it's a special class things. for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just a fill. Just mm-hmm. a fill. So Yeah. So I think that's kind of the I think that's kind of the deal. I'm kinda of happy to see it. Mm-hmm. I, I love having an A, B, C and a D in stock buggy. You know? Yeah. And seeing that. That's a lot of competition and that actually gets guys going even more. You have something more to shoot for instead of having four guys in the class. Oh boy, I made the A. You know, <laughs> you finish fourth. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's talk about uh, your son Nick a little bit. You know, he's 
um, doing a lot of race announcing. Uh, people know him. He's worked on the Roar RMT crew. And did uh, do you ever think he'd be involved? Um, you know, like he is. No, no. I, I, Nick was always good with uh, with kids and stuff. Like before I opened the track, he had a job at a local church school, you know, and he was kind of doing the summer programs for the kids. He's always really mm-hmm. good at, like, organizing and getting people riled up and that kind of stuff. And when I opened the track, honestly, you know, I needed I needed some employees, you know, and uh, so I took Nick, and he, you know, we went, originally we had Jeremy Fellas as our announcer, you know, and Slim from SoCal and Eric Johnson, who does the TNS series now. All those guys, you know, they announced for me. And then one by one, they kind of dropped off, and Nick kind of just worked at the track, at the front counter, and then, you know, he's like, shit, Dad, I can do this. I'm like, well, then, there you go. It's yeah. all yours. The, micro- the microphone is yours, son. And uh, mm-hmm. he just got, you know, he just got really good at it. And uh, him and Jimmy Babcock, you know, are good friends, and Jimmy got him into the the, you know, roller races and that kind of thing, and Nick ended up getting a couple of big races on his own, and it's good. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I'm not surprised by it. He's really good at what he does, and uh, I'm always, you know, I'm totally stoked to to listen to him on Live RC while I'm at home and he's in Alabama. You know, it's kind of fun. Yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully it stays that way, and about a year and a half ago, I gave him half, you know, he owns half the track now. Um, mm-hmm. so I get, I get him 50% of the business and I hope to give it all to him. Uh, once I think that, you know, he's ready, the business is ready and whatever. And I can continue with my day job, you know, mm-hmm. which is contracting. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I'm pretty proud to, to see what he's done and what he's accomplished and everybody seems to like him. So, yeah, yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I know we, we have him do some races with us, and I know there's, we get a lot of compliments, and, um, you know, the guys from Red RC that come over and at our race, they're always, uh, I know that one of the class races he did for us, they, um, Nick told them, he said, uh, we're going to be done at 6 p.m. tonight, and they're like, yeah, whatever, we've heard that before, and, uh, you know, he, like, you know, he basically the last, yeah, the, like the last race was like five fifty eight, and they're just freaking out, you know. They're just like, no way. <laughs> yeah, no. So he's, I think he's he's very efficient, very efficient, you know. And I I think Jason also, you know, that's a, that's a good point too. That <laughs> when he was when we first started, and when we first started doing the racing, the club racing, one of my biggest deals with even Jeremy Fellas and the other guys they had announcing was, look guys, we start at seven o'clock. I mean it's the first the cone is going off at seven o'clock. People are still filtering in, signing up late, doing whatever, yelling from the pits. I'm sorry we're starting at seven o'clock because the people that got there on time deserve to start on time and to get home at a decent time. You know? Uh-huh. Um there's a there's a lot of tracks, and I hear a lot of stories about other announcers that you know seven heats takes six and a half hours, you know, for the yeah. program to run. And I don't know, maybe there's some guys that like that, um, 
But I, I really think that, you know, if you get to the track at 6 or 5, get your car set up, and you expect to race at 7, you should race at 7 o'clock, you know? Yeah. And it should be seven and a half minutes between races, and if you got, you know, it's about eight and a half races, an hour, do your thing. You know, we can time it down to the, down to the, you know, within ten minutes. And everybody at my place really knows. Okay, well, we got nine heats tonight. We're going to be out of here at ten forty-five. Yeah. Whether they think about it or not, I think subliminally, subliminally, that's pretty important. You know, they know what to tell their wives. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> home at eleven. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, I guess that's cool, but I also I also didn't like when tracks would would rush it. Like it just I always I don't know. It's a balance. I understand. Yeah, it's hard to balance that. I think, but yeah, we don't rush, but yeah, you know, right. You, but you know, you have two minutes. You know, between you know by the time that's finished and the time you start, you know we're going to be starting two minutes after that race finishes, and yeah. everybody understands that. You know. Um, We've explained, God, you know, you say it on the mic a billion times. I don't know how many times we've said it in six years. But, you know, hey, guys, you're all done. Pull your cars off, head right on out to the track and turn marshal. You know, race right. number six, you're up. Do not go back to the pits. And everybody kind of knows that. It's mechanical now, you know? Yeah. So. I think what it was when I was a kid, I just wanted to uh, enjoy it. I didn't, I didn't want it to end, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, that's when, you're, that's when you're kids. Most yeah, of I know. Our yeah. races at night don't have a lot of kids. It's people like me, you know, and in their forties or you know thirties that. You yeah, know, you're already a, past like a, two hours past your bedtime. Yeah, they got a job tomorrow, you know. <laughs> so, anyways, we just try. To, uh, the, the word is consistent, you know. Try to be consistent, uh-huh. and people appreciate that. Yeah. So. Well, it's good to know. I mean, we had a you know Paul Wynn who works with us. His dad when he first started racing, he used to run some races and he said, you know, all the time when he's at the races, he's wanting to like get the races going, you know, you know, they're waiting too long and he wants to keep things moving along. He's like, he was my dad in the eighties used to have a cassette recorder that he would play into the microphone at the end of each race, which was the whole, you know, set your cars down, come out to turn marshal. Well, oh, you know, right. And and he would rewind it and play it at the end of every race in the 80s. <laughs> so. Well, I guess it's the same premise, you know. You have to train these. You have to train people, you know, what to do. Every track is totally different. Um, yeah. I raced, at, I raced at SDRC down in San Diego this weekend. Scotty's a very good friend of mine, the owner of that track. And um, I, had a, I had an awesome time, but I felt a little weird because, you know, after there was seven heats, but after the first round, they took like a half an hour break, and then after the second round, you know, another twenty minutes, and then before the main, another you know half an hour. I didn't have a whole lot to do, you know. Yeah. Now, back in the old days, when you had to cut the comms on your motors, discharge batteries, and you know, charge them up and repeat them, and you know, do all that stuff. But nowadays, with brushless and lipo, you said, man, you wash your tires, your car's dialed. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What are, you, what are you doing for a half an hour? Unless you're running five classes and you're in every race. You know. Yeah, sometimes I laugh people that, you know, if you're playing, if you're doing bump ups, I'm, I was like, you could, you know, they're like panicking. I'm like, you could just go right back on the driver's stand. 
I'm no like, problem. Your car, your car has tons of battery left. You don't need a new battery. You know, it's like you can just stay up there and just bump right up. Keep going. I can get 15 to 18 minutes in a truck, you know, on my T4. So, you know, you can definitely go back to back. It's the same thing. I, I just, there's just not a lot of maintenance to do. Um, and especially for me, you know, Jake does all my maintenance. I don't even know. I mean, I put my own servo in this weekend. I was pretty proud of myself. You know, it's been a while <laughs> since I turned a, turned a screw on my car because Jake just takes right. my car for me after the race and says, it's doing this. I'm fixing it. So, right. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, I know. I'm spoiled. <laughs> yeah. So I got to sit there behind the front counter and sell, you know, Cokes and Snickers and stuff while he works <laughs> on my car. Grandma's but, cookies. Uh, all right, Grandma's cookies. Very good. Yeah, oh. those are good. But um, so what else? Yeah, I mean, well, um, when you're not racing at OCRC, I guess, what do you like to do? What's What other hobbies you got? Well, like I said, I'm at the stables right now with my horse. Um, mm-hmm. My daughter and I, my daughter and I have horses, or my daughters uh, love to do that. Um, I bowl on Monday nights with Nick and Jake. Okay. Uh, or in the bowling league. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> what, do, what do you bowl? It's kind of fun. What do I bowl? A, a yeah, ball? Score? Oh. <laughs> ball. Uh, wow. I know. The bowl with the pins. Um, my average is one sixty something, and something I haven't bowled since I was a kid, so it's kind of fun to get back and and do that. We kind of call we call it a drinking league that we bowl at. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of drinks before, during, and after, and we all hang out. <laughs> you know, we got to work together all week, so it's actually a pretty good pretty good time just to hang out and not work you know and not be at the track mm. other than that man my, my day job uh takes a lot of my time you know i have a lot what's going up on with, what's so, up with the um i've seen you had some vintage motorcycles what do you do you still play with that um yeah probably starting next month um usually in the summer i don't do it and then get a winter but about four months a year, I, I actually race um, vintage motorcycles in a, a series uh, in the local tracks and stuff. It's, I got a 74 TM, Yamaha TM100. Right. So that's always fun to do. You know, it's it's just fast enough for me not to kill myself, but to have fun. <laughs> you know. Do, they, do you get a, have a pretty good group of guys that, that run run vintage? There's about, uh, yeah, there's about a hundred, about a hundred or so guys mm-hmm. that, uh, so one race a month and usually have like 15 motos in different classes, 100, 200, 300, you know, 250 and so forth. And, um, anywhere from like 1970 up to like 1995. So they have different classes just like we do. And they have expert and novice and lightweight and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it, it's pretty rad. It's pretty rad. It's just another you know, people like us, we like to race. We like competition. It's just another mm-hmm. way to compete. It's another way to compete. Yeah. So, so I, I enjoy it. My wife doesn't enjoy me doing it. She thinks I'm going to kill myself, but I haven't yet. <laughs> but she had to tell her it's not fast enough for that. <laughs> it's not fast enough for that. 
just fast enough to fall off and scrape your arm, but not, uh, I don't jump the 80 foot gaps with that thing because it doesn't land real well. It's got like the uh, evil Knievel suspension on it. Dude, it, it, it rides like an old, to me, a frog on one of those old <laughs> tracks when you watch the old videos. It's just bouncing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I know last year you made the trip out to the Nitro Challenge, and do you got any um, races you're planning on hitting that's not at your track this year? Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, um, I'm racing. Well, I'm doing a Toys for Tots Nitro race in Chula Vista this weekend, and uh, mm-hmm. just got my just got my Nitro car out of the closet since last year's Nitro Challenge. And so I'm going to take it there and get it tuned up because then Jake and I are going to be going to the Nitro Challenge in February. Uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, I'm going to do one East Coast race this year. I don't know what, but I'll be, you know, you know, I, t- I try to make, you know, go to a new track, you know, each year and try something out, meet some new people. But, um, you know, I enjoy Nitro. That's where I, you know, once SoCal closed, I had a year and I did Nitro all the time. And I really enjoyed it um, for a day. I don't think I could do it every day. But for one <laughs> yeah. day a week, you know, it takes, takes six days to get the nitro fumes out of your your pores. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, you know, just definitely the nitro challenge. That's a race that I love to do because I get to run my, you know, uh, my GT2 mm-hmm. nitro stadium truck. The only wow. he's, he's the only race in town that actually still races us. That's uh, awesome. It was like I think there was thirteen of us last year. It was pretty cool. Really? Yeah, I I just bought a I got a GT2 ready to run, and then I put all the T4.2 parts on it, the shocks, the arms, and that kind of stuff, and it all works. So I kind of got a GT2.2. And, That's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's pretty dialed. I love that little truck. So I just do that, and I do over 40, because I'm old. <laughs> you know, problem is, so is, so is Pravitas, and he's always there kicking my butt, and so is Barry Baker, you know. Uh, I know. Just say Barry geez. Baker, but I just sucked the fun out of this podcast, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> wait, till Barry, wait till Barry hears that. <laughs> oh, boy. Ah, we love we Barry had Barry Baker. on the show about two, uh, three weeks ago. <laughs> We love Barry Baker. Yeah. Did, uh, so, but that's it. Yeah, a couple races. You got the, this year you got the, the Reedy Race of Champions coming in January. Um, mm-hmm. You know, tell us, I know the, I think that race entry, everything just filled up, right? Uh, yeah, I think they had 500 signed up. Wow. For 200 mm-hmm. spots. Yeah. Right. I think it was the, it was the biggest this year. Uh, the biggest entry pool I think they've had. And um, I think uh, I was talking with BT today. I think they're all done. I mean, they've solidified all the spots, both invite at uh, you know, the people who didn't pay and people on the waiting list and stuff. So it's going to be a great race. You know, I will do my best to make sure that that's uh, the best one they've ever had. You know, so. Yeah, I... I'm excited about coming out there. I think uh, Paul and I will be out there for the race. So, um, yeah, look, definitely looking forward to it. Cool. You got um, cool. And um, and then when's your um, 
um, your Surf City race this year? Is it it's in August or September always, right? Well, it's always the last weekend of August, except okay. for this year. I think the last weekend of August is there's some other big thing going on. I don't know if it's nationals or uh, can't be worlds, right? No, no. Uh, I don't know. There's another big rural race going on that weekend. So I think this year is the first year we're going to do it the first weekend in August. So. And that's kind okay. of our little premier, you know, home home race. But it'll be the first weekend of August this year, and we typically get 300 for that, you know. And it's a it's a good time. We have a little after party after the first night, and you know, you don't have to get there until noon the next day, and it gets through the mains, and everybody has a great time. Takes and, uh, supporters like you, Jason. Just want to throw that out. That's right. We appreciate you. That's right. Yeah, we appreciate, I mean, OCRC, it's a blast over there. Um, anybody gets a chance to make the trip to California, um, you got to go and race with the guys. And, and uh, it kind of has a way when I'm, the feeling I get when I'm there is you're, you're working on your driving, you're getting to be a better driver, but you're still, um, it's pretty loose in the pits and pretty fun atmosphere. Um, so, um, they got some good characters there, you know, between the Jakes and the, and Barry Bakers of the world and, um, Denny O, um, you guys got some pretty cool characters. Yeah. Yeah. We're lucky to be kind of in the hub of, you know, the manufacturers and, and a lot of the, a lot of the top level drivers and stuff. So it's always fun to hang out there. Um, when I left today, you know, Cavalry was there doing his testing, and uh, BT was there, and we can get a lot of the Cody Kings and Humandall and Bartson, and a lot of those guys have been racing, just trying to trying to get a few laps in before the before the Weedy race. So, you know, it's always good, especially newbies, to see that kind of talent. It's kind of sometimes kind of inspiring to watch that stuff. Yeah, watch how good those guys are. What, um, you know, we got your, you know, at the world champs, um, you got Steven Hartson who won the world this year. He's a driver that races for you guys. And I mean, what'd you think when all that went down? Oh man, we were, you know, that happened during like race three. It was on a Sunday and it happened like during race three of our club racing. And unfortunately Nick couldn't see it. He was like, announcing a race right before the race or something. And then there was probably 10 of us sitting in a pit on a, you know, watching it on a laptop. And uh, we were just screaming. <laughs> and not all of us were screaming G-rated words, you know, with things that were going on. <laughs> and then when that race was done and we were all stoked, we kind of stopped and looked around. And, and I forgot, it's a Sunday. We had people there. You know, we were, you know, ready to race. And we had families there. And there was moms there. And, but there were oh, ten of nice. us around this computer that were just we were flipping out like a you know Bears Vikings game kind of thing. Uh, you know, they picked up their family and left. They're yeah, like, we're they never they, coming back. They just didn't. They didn't understand why there was like ten guys huddled around this laptop at a um, swearing you know, at it, just <laughs> screaming, screaming. Yes, I don't know. So, so <laughs> it, was, it was pretty. It was pretty rad to watch that. I you know I know Stevens since he was a little kid. 
and uh, he puts a lot of time in at the track, and and uh, you know that was that was that was pretty rad. You know, we got Ryan now um, representing us as well, and uh, Cody King says he's going to be uh, doing a little more electric this year, so um, we'll probably work a deal out with Cody King as well. And, uh, Matt Castellanos going to start racing again, or you know, so he's been. He's been up. He's been running a Kyosha lately, and, and uh, we got Truly. So we got a lot of good guys, a lot of lot of nice nice guys, you know, that uh, are very helpful. And um, it's all all I expect. I, I I put those guys on a, you know, they don't they don't make a ton of money from me, but I you know I do ask them if you know they hang out once in a while at the track and they help out, you know, with the customers and everybody's everybody's done that. Everybody's really good when they're there. Unfortunately, but he he was there a couple of days and he raced with us on Sunday, and 
You know? Oh, maybe that was too well. I think Barry Baker took him out, actually. Oh, Barry nice. Baker railed Ty on the first lap. <laughs> uh, once again, we love Barry Baker. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah, Ty, Ty loves it down there. Um, he's got great parents, super nice folks. Um, they always come by when they're in town um, doing their testing and stuff. So, a lot of the guys, okay. I, I actually got a, I got a text last night from uh, Dan Hartson that said, um, what do you say? Oh, Oscar, you know Oscar Levin? Yeah. Yeah. Said Oscar Levin won the round two of the Euro something series and he's on Red RC. Go look at the picture. He's on the podium. And oh. so I, you know, I looked at it and he's got an OCRC t shirt on, surrounded by two TLR t shirts, you know, and Oscar's yeah. cars on. I thought that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I saw that too. I, I thought of you and Nick right away. I was like, I'm like, I hope they get to see this. Yeah, Dan sent me a text message last night. I thought it was pretty awesome. I mean, Oscar's a cool kid. You know, when he's down, he's, you know, that kid puts some serious, serious time on the track. And uh, he's, he's, he's a good kid. So it's, it's fun to see that, you know, European presence as well. So, yeah. Almost well, world famous. Close. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I think that's. I think that's about all the questions I had really at the moment. I don't know if Scotty has any more, but that's what I got. You just gave me another reason why I'm jealous of California. I mean, Pennsylvania, I'm stuck here four or five hours away from a decent track. <laughs> uh, I, sh- I shouldn't say four hours. Th- two and well, a half. Two and a half. Just do what I did. Empty mm. your bank account and open a business <laughs> that you can break even at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Because there's nothing like a feeling. There's nothing like a feeling of breaking even. Because you're not really losing money. You're not <laughs> making any either. That's a well, there's, plan. there's a Rod or um, Robert's familiar with that saying in RC that you you know how to make a small fortune in RC is you start with a large one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like and that. That's you know cool. what? I, I'm trying, guys, to do my best to like change that. You know, I'd love to break it all. Yeah. Always trying to figure something out, and you know, I would really love to see RC. And I think right now it's really on an uptick, and it's mm-hmm. really cool to see that we have hundreds of drivers here in the, you know Southern California, and uh, um, you know, I'd like to just keep seeing it go and go, and whatever I can do to you know help that, you know, I'll do it, and I'm sure Nick is Nick will as well. Um, you know, everybody's just gotta got to do our thing got to love it as much as everybody else and and uh stay with it you know now i ask jason this all this all time do you have any job openings there <laughs> i'll just uh, move out yeah he's gonna call jake and see if he's planning on leaving anytime soon okay <laughs> we actually run a, we actually run a pretty tight ship you know i got three full-time you know me myself my son and jake are full-time and then i got two part-time and that's it oh, cool. well no, it's not I like was they'll file more employees, you know. Hmm. I was out there in, in the summer, and I, um, I I brought my cars with me. I raced one night there at OCRC, and there was I would tell people the story because it's kind of a kind of treat everybody the same like type of thing Robert was talking about earlier. But that you know, and you just can't put up with a bunch of BS. But we were I was in a club racing, and there was this guy giving 
that was racing was giving uh, Robert's announcer squid a hard time. And uh, do you remember this, Robert? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, Robert went right to the announcer, grabbed the mic, and said, "Look, if you don't like the way things are going here, there's another track 11 miles down the road." That's <laughs> <laughs> what it was. You got a full applause from the rest of the racers. That was so so awesome. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, you know, did it. Um, everybody loved it. Yeah, it's just respect. Everybody needs to respect everybody's thing, and and uh, you know, and when there's no drama, uh, it's a good night. Not every night is drama free, but when it, when it is, you can go home and go, wow, that was actually worth it. I I, I look forward to you know doing that again. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, well All right. I'm good. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and feed my horse and finish giving him his uh, his stuff and put his blanket on and then I'm going to get in my heated car because it's probably gone down to 55 now and I can't, uh, I I can't, hate you. I... I can't feel my fingertips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you. Whose right, idea was to have Robert Black on the podcast? All right, Robert, guys. You I guys appreciate have, it. Have, no problem. Have a good night. I'll see you. All I'll right. see you in January. Right on, bro. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. See you, Robert. Right. Robert Black, everybody. Yep. True story. If if you don't like what's happening in this race, there's another track 11 miles down the road. <laughs> but there <laughs> was a, telling that story there, there was a little extension to that because at the time, uh-huh. at the time, uh, West Coast was kind of dwindling down. They were having trouble getting a Wednesday night club race and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the reasons were for it or whatever, but, um, I remember Robert added on the end of that. I'm sure they could use your, your entry. (laughs) (laughs) Just something to that effect. So that's good. Yeah. You know, everybody appreciates, I mean, what he said there was, it was about respect and that's what it was. And, you know, it was, you know, if you're getting taken out, you can't see it all the time. It's a little bit of part of racing. You can't sit there and chew everybody out nonstop and uh you got to kind of move on mm-hmm. so yeah it was, it was pretty funny <laughs>